This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. everyone it's time for ham talk live episode number 279 the antarctic eclipse festival of frequency measurement recorded live on thursday november 4th 2021 i'm your host neil rapp wb9 vpg thanks for tuning in to this episode of ham talk live tonight we're joined by christina collins kd8oxt and Dr. Nathaniel Fursell, W2NAF, and we will take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week here on the show, we were talking about the Collegiate Amateur Radio Initiative with Andy Maluzzi, KK4LWR, and Tony Maluzzi, KD8RTT. So if you missed that show, you can listen anytime over at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube. And don't forget, you can catch the rebroadcast of Ham Talk Live every Saturday afternoon on WTWW. That's 5085 on your AM dial. That's usually about 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time when they uh, play the rebroadcast there. So thanks to WTWW for um, allowing us to be on their airwaves as well. Okay. So, uh, t- later on tonight, we've got uh, a couple of, uh, giveaways that we're going to do. So, uh, be sure you hang around for that. Uh, but, uh, we're going to talk to Christina and Nathaniel first. And, uh, so if you have a question, get, get it ready to go. Um, let me give you the telephone number, um, and uh after a while after the uh the next commercial break we will open up the phone lines and take your comments and questions and here is the phone number to have ready it is 859 982 7373 again 859 982 7373 73. have that number written down punched in uh whatever works for you and uh have it ready to go and here in a little late bit we'll uh, let you know when it's time to call in um if you're listening to us live on thursday night you'll be able to do that uh, you can also tweet us uh, we're at ham talk live over on Twitter. So I'll be back with Christina and Nathaniel right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. 
I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm having an antenna party and I ran out of PL259s. Oh, come in. Thank you. Would silver-plated PL259s from Tower Electronics be too good for your guests? Those will be fine. Thank you. You saved my life the other night. Oh, the PL259s from Tower Electronics? Yes, they were very successful at the antenna party. My antenna works like a charm. Then how can you ever thank me? I'll try to think of something. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They have adapters, cables, antennas, soldering supplies, and meters too. Ham Talk Live. What's that call sign again? WB9VPG. That's right, Delium 9 Bainte Pterodactyl Nat, right? Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Tower Electronics will be at Chickasaw, Alabama. That's the uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, for all intents and purposes, Ham Fest this weekend. That's November 6th and 7th. And then they'll be off to Fort Wayne, Indiana, November 13th and 14th. Montgomery, Alabama, November 19th and 20th. Ocala, Florida, December 4th. Plant City, Florida, December 10th and 11th. And you can visit them anytime. From the comfort of your own home at pl-259.com. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live tonight. Christina Collins, KD8OXT, and Dr. Nathaniel Fursell, W2NAF, join us um, on the Orlando Amateur Radio Club and Hamcation Hotline. Christina Collins, KD8OXT, is an electrical engineering graduate student at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, she's been an officer of the W8EDU, Case Western Reserve Amateur Radio Club, for several years. And she's in charge of this event that we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, she's in charge of gathering up all the data. It's Ham Size Antarctic Eclipse Festival of Frequency Measurement, coming next month to a radio near you. Uh, also with us is, uh, the lead of HamSci, uh, Dr. Nathaniel Fursell, W2NAF. He is an assistant professor at the University of Scranton in physics, where he teaches digital signal processing, fundamental physics, and electromagnetics. He's the lead organizer of HamSci, a project that explores how amateur radio can help us understand more about the physics of the ionosphere. Nathaniel completed his PhD in electrical engineering in uh, 2016 at uh, Virginia Tech and uh, worked with the Super Darn HF Radar Lab there and was named the 2019 Hamvention Amateur of the Year. So welcome, Christina, and welcome back, Nathaniel. Ah, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, Nathaniel, it's great to have you back here with us. You've You've come up with uh, a lot of really interesting uh, ham radio physics studies and uh, and bagged some some major grant money for for some of that. 
And uh, so we're going to talk about one of these events tonight, but you're kind of handing this one off to uh, Christina. And uh, so she's working uh, on finishing up her doctorate as well. Um, so let's, uh, let's let Christina answer and, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let Nathaniel j- jump in here in a little bit, but, uh, Christina first, just tell us about the eclipse itself, uh, that's going to be taking place next month because, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about that because, uh, we're not going to see it. So, uh, tell us about the eclipse and what you hope to measure, uh, with your, ham radio observations absolutely thank you neil so the uh the eclipse is going to be on december 4th and it will be over antarctica this year which is a uh a relatively unusual spot for an eclipse to be all things considered um if you go to timeanddate.com they have a really fantastic uh eclipse calendar and you can see when various eclipses will cross over your path of totality. We started getting interested in this around case uh, because we have the uh, big eclipse coming up in 2024 that we'll be in totality for here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Or as we like to say around W8EDU, we paid handsomely to ensure that case would be in totality for this and MIT would not. (laughs) uh, I love it. So uh, as to why this is an interesting thing. So as a ham radio operator, right, you work HF, you're used to um, the idea that radio waves during the day and at night are different, that you get propagation paths that uh, that disappear when the sun goes down or that come out at night and things like that. And uh, even if it's just when you were going through, I think it's on the general exam that they have a lot of it. You will have seen all of the stuff about the different layers of the ionosphere and their different behaviors um, and uh, all of the effects that are associated with the Terminator or the gray line, that night between uh, that line between night and day that passes uh, over the surface of the Earth. So as a general simple model of this. One moment, I must move my cat here. He was so quiet. And Come on, Oscar. Decided to be on the keyboard. <laughs> yes. Go, Oscar. Shoo. Do something cat-like. All right. Thank you. So, uh, so as a simple model of this, um, the uh, the sun ionizes electrons in the ionosphere, and it changes what we use a, a simple um, derived component of that that we call the virtual height. So we have a uh, a model of the ionosphere that's like a mirror. And this is not um, so very different from the models that have been used since the very beginning of ionospheric physics. The big difference is that now we have uh, precision timing and we have GPS disciplined oscillators and Raspberry Pis and all of these wonderful bits of inexpensive instrumentation and the ability to connect to people in the ham radio and shortwave listening community to make observations of these things. So the solar eclipse is uh, something that's worth characterizing because it's the closest thing that you get to being able to do a controlled experiment in space where you have this uh, bit of darkness that goes over a uh, an area that's normally in daylight. And there are many interesting uh, scientific papers on effects of this on the ionosphere. If you look at research um, being done from the 2017 eclipse and the, uh, for instance, the 
the GPS uh, measurements of total electron content that show bow waves. Um, and uh, there's all sorts of things about that. So what we're working on with these, where we have, uh, you know, about two solar eclipses a year uh, that are well positioned around the globe for science, is uh, an opportunity to kind of engage the global community and to also use these as pilot experiments for the uh, the personal space weather station, which is Hamsize flagship product um, project. So the uh, general procedure that we use for the uh, experiment is that you do, you know, the same thing that you might do if you're used to the frequency measuring test, where you are listening for the movement of a, uh, a carrier signal um, from a time standard station, such as WWV or WWVH. And uh, I'll make a note here that your listeners may want to tune into those stations at uh, either 8 or 48 minutes past the hour sometime in the next few weeks. Um, but yes, yeah, so the uh, when you listen to that station, right, that signal leaves the transmitter at uh, precisely, you know, let's say 10.000, one part in 10 to the 12th um, precision megahertz. And uh, when it arrives at your receiver, it will have been, uh, it will have changed a little bit in frequency. And if you record this over the course of the day, you can actually see that there is a fairly typical daily trend that has all of these other noise components layered on top of it that is the Doppler shift associated with that day-night transition that is familiar to us when we're operating HF. So we did a pilot experiment with this uh, with WWV for the centennial of that station in 2019. And uh, we published on that in um, the IEEE... Uh, Let's see, it was GRSL, that's Geoscience, um, gosh, I should remember the title of this journal. You can find the paper online. It was called Citizen Scientists Collect Distributed Doppler Measurement for Ionospheric Remote Sensing. And uh, this was about 50 ham radio operators who helped us out with collecting data for this. And if you uh, go to that, Geoscience and Remote Sensing Letters, there we go. Uh, if you go to that and you check out figure three, you'll see the, uh, the stacked plot that shows the frequency graphs for all of these ham stations. And it shows you how you can get a, uh, a snapshot of the ionosphere with many distributed stations um, in a way that has not really been done before using a citizen science network. And the ham radio community, as it turns out, is extremely well positioned to do this type of work uh, because you have a lot of people who already know how to do radio things in general, uh, who are technically literate and who are often, you know, willing to volunteer their time and their equipment to conduct large experiments. So uh, as we're transitioning from this model of doing, you know, this one campaign to the personal space weather station where people would have dedicated hardware, uh, eclipses because of the fact that they're already on the calendar and you're not going to be able to move them, um, and because they're, of course, you know, quite visually spectacular and they kind of, you know, in engage that natural component of uh, international collaboration, 
these make ideal pilot experiments for uh for the different aspects of the personal space weather station that we want to learn about and test. So the uh, instrumentation thing that I'm hoping to test out for this experiment, this is a uh, um, project of three senior project students here at Case. And um, they have been working on a, uh, a piece of audio recording software um, which we've been calling SNASH. Uh, actually, there are four senior project students. I'm sorry. There's uh, Martin Bui, Daniel Warner, um, Shiv, I don't actually know your last name. Sorry, Shiv. And uh, Zach Kadish. And they have been uh, developing a piece of um, audio recording software that uh, is intended for distributed citizen science recording for this type of thing. So, this was a need that we only discovered because we had previous uh, experiments where people were recording with audacity and we were finding that it wasn't a good surveillance recorder and things like that. And so each of these campaigns, we add another component and we develop some new thing uh, that we can use to collect data or we look at the different observations that we've had and use those things to enhance the development of the personal space weather station. Um, well, I should note that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about the um, equipment that people uh, will need um, if they're going to try to help. Um, what kind of equipment are they going to need? What do they need to do? How do they sign up? How, how does that happen? Absolutely. So the first thing to do is to go to hamsci.org slash festivals, and that has all of the Eclipse Festival pages. Uh, you can find the one for the Antarctic Eclipse Festival and then sign up for the mailing list. And I'll be sending out uh, updates on there. The only thing that you need uh, to take part in the experiment is the same thing that you need for the Festival of Frequency Measurement, which is an HF radio connected to a computer and uh, audio recording software like the ones that we are uh, prototyping or whatever you happen to have on hand. And uh, we'll be taking those audio recordings and processing them um, to, uh, look at the change in frequency, uh, over time, you'll want to listen to whatever your favorite time standard station is, you know, in the United States, you'll probably tune into WWV. Um, but there's also RWM in Russia, there's BPM in China, uh, in South America, they have some really excellent call signs. They have, uh, PPE and they have, uh, LOL, um, in Argentina. <laughs> it's a good one. I think BPM is probably still my favorite, but LOL is a good one. Um, that one actually was turned on uh, partway through the December 2020 Eclipse Festival when we had the, the path of totality across um, South America. And uh, so generally we've got some, uh, some procedures, some things to try. Um, and for this particular event, it's a uh, you set things up and you make a recording and then you send in the data and we'll be putting it through um, the uh, high performance computing cluster here at Case to extract the frequency data from all of these data sets um, because we want to be able to try out different algorithms. So that's why we record audio data rather than doing what we did for the first experiment, which was to use FL Digi um, to just make an estimation of the frequency for each uh, operator. 
So it takes a while to get the uh, the data processed. That's the only <laughs> the only downside yeah. of going to audio. But we've learned a lot from it about uh, how to set things up for the personal space weather station, um, how to uh, to do science with other ham radio operators in the same area. Um, and you can run a, uh, a Doppler experiment on your own and get s- sort of an idea of things. But I find that really the best way to do it is if you make a recording and then you also have your friend who lives not too far away make a recording and then you compare your graphs because that lets you make sure that when you see the graph zig or zag, if it goes the same direction as your friend's graph does, then you can make a reasonable assumption that that was something that was geophysical in nature and not just your dishwasher turning on and off. And uh, it can really give you kind of a sense of what is going on in, you know, the geospace environment at your QTH. That's something that's very remarkable about it. Another thing about it is that um, you can see when you look at these that you'll have a very clear snapshot that looks one way in California and you'll have a very clear snapshot that looks completely different uh, you know, in the area around Cleveland, Ohio, on a given day. So we have a lot of people who are doing prototype stations of the uh, the low-cost personal space weather station, which is the, the version I'm working on in my PhD work, um, which looks only at these Doppler shifts and, uh, and signals from time-standard stations, essentially taking that infrastructure and using them as passive radar beacons. Um, and uh, so we have these collections of plots that we get every day and we go and compare them. And, you know, there's uh, whenever we have a CME, it's always fun to watch everybody say, oh, look, mine did this or mine did that. And you start to get some very interesting, uh, some interesting jumps, especially as you accumulate data over time. Oh, very good. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and, and the personal weather station after the break. But uh, before we take our break, uh, Nathaniel, talk a little bit about uh, Christina's role in this, and and kind of, you know, starting to uh, to to branch out to where you're not the only one, you know, heading up these projects. Oh well, it's fantastic. Uh, Christina's just a an excellent, excellent leader. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Case Western has really um, they're the ones that came up with the idea for the great low-cost personal space weather station. And uh, they've really taken the, the reins on this. And every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, we get on Zoom, and uh, Christina runs the group meeting. And uh, she just does a, a wonderful job, um, you know, uh, keeping everything in line, keeping track of everything, um, interacting with uh, the general public, uh, keeping track of the different uh, things that need to be done for the grape with the Case Western team. Uh, you know, she's uh, advising the undergraduate students. So uh, it's just great working with her. And uh, I'm so glad that she's on the project and doing all of this. So it's uh, really um, wonderful for Hamsai to have her participate and uh, lead. And uh, it's, it's just really great. Well, that's the the challenge of of this you know is you you've got the groundbreaking stuff done now it's uh it's time to to spread it out <laughs> and yeah. let it start yeah, growing think, exponentially and, and uh, this is a great move for that oh my gosh yes and and so i mean that is one of the things you know when when hamsai first started we had 
you know, one project and essentially we were very focused on it. And, you know, now that we have a number of funded projects and, you know, we're always encouraging um, people to uh, to participate in different ways. And and we like to see people bring up their own ideas. So you start seeing these side projects take off and you you kind of can identify um, some natural leaders of different projects. And and so we're, we're growing organically. So Christine is certainly one of those those natural leaders. She's doing this. She also has uh, another project where we're actually putting some uh, signals onto the WWV wave, uh, WWV transmissions. We're doing some test signals with that. That's coming up. Um, so it's you really need people like Christina to help lead and uh, guide these different projects. Well, that's that's really cool and uh, great to see that that you're already. Um passing on uh, some of the work and, and spreading it out and, and hopefully uh, get it to where it's a uh, perpetual thing. So that's that's great. And uh, we can tune in to WWV all time, all the time. So there we go. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll open up the phone lines and uh, check the tweets and uh, probably talk a little bit more about this uh, personal weather station thing going on so uh, we'll do that right after this word from icom america right here on ham talk live spice up your ham shack with icom's ic705 this portable radio is perfect for staying in or venturing out and working your favorite bands this winter season happy holidays from icom The IC705 is the perfect sidekick and QRP companion. It has base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package, covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds, with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It has a 4.3 inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall, 5 watts with a battery, 10 watts with a power supply, sideband CWAM FM, full D-Star functions, micro USB connector, Bluetooth, wireless LAN, integrated GPS with antenna, a micro SD card slot, a speaker mic comes standard and supports QRP and QRPP operations. The perfect accessory is the optional backpack LC192 with a special compartment for your IC. 705 and room for accessories for soda activations or a day out in the wild. Our family of favorite ICOM amateur radios are also available this holiday season. The IC9700, IC7300, and IC7610 base stations, ID52 handheld coming soon, and the ID5100A mobile are the perfect gift, and it's the most wonderful time of year to give the gift of ICOM. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Here's the snap. Rap takes the rig. He breaks through the pileup. He's on 80. Now 40. Now 20. 15. 10. 2 meters. Touchdown. Ham Talk Live. 
Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. We're on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here at HamTalkLive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, before we uh, open up the phone lines at 859-982-7373. And uh, check the tweets and talk uh, some more with Christina and Nathaniel, we have once again the Ham Radio Joke of the Week. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. I started a band with a bunch of fellow ham radio operators, and we're calling ourselves 999 Megabytes. Well, we haven't got a gig yet. This has been the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Guerin in 9GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Oh, my goodness. That was good. I liked that. I like that. There's no gig. (laughs) <laughs> oh my. well it's time for your phone calls now so uh now is the time to punch those buttons it's 859-982-7373 again 7373 or you can tweet us it's at ham talk live on twitter and if you're listening to us on wtww or the podcast version you won't be able to reach us live since we're doing this uh on thursday evening so uh let's let's kind of jump back in here and we'll we'll see if we have any questions from anybody tonight um Nathaniel, talk a little bit about this this personal space weather station that that's been put together and 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 how that's being deployed. Sure, uh, thanks, Neil. So, as Christina said before, the personal space weather station is the flagship project of the Hamsai community right now, and essentially, the goal of it is to design some sort of device that you could operate in your own backyard. Uh, that helps you to measure space weather. And what does that mean? Well, it means a number of different things. We're interested in anything that can affect radio propagation or that could sense currents in space or changes in the ionosphere. So the personal space weather station, it's it uh, the original design, uh, we have three uh, major components. We have um, a radio component, uh, we have a, a ground magnetometer component, and there's also a, a GPS component. Um, so the radio component, uh, what that does, if you have the great low-cost personal space weather station, uh, the goal of that is to listen to WWV and look for these changes in uh, received frequency, the Doppler shift. And that is caused by changes in the ionosphere. And we can take that information and we can... Uh, back out information about how the ionosphere is changing. So that's one component. Uh, the second component is the uh, ground magnetometer. And that particular system is used to 
measure changes in the Earth's magnetic field. And these changes are very small changes are actually due to currents um, flowing overhead, either in the ionosphere or in space. So if there's a geomagnetic storm or a big auroral event, you should be able to sense uh, those changes with the ground magnetometer. Uh, The GPS system um, has a couple of different purposes. Uh, One purpose is to provide uh, very stable frequency and time references uh, to the radio device and also to the magnetometer. Um, And also, if uh, with certain GPS receivers, you can actually measure the total number of electrons between the GPS receiver on the ground and the satellite in space. Uh, we do have a, a one other version of the personal space weather station that is still very much under development, and that's this Tangerine software-defined radio. Uh, so we're still working on developing that right now. Uh, it's not quite ready, but the, the great low-cost personal space weather station version one, we have a number of people deploying that and using it already. The ground magnetometer, a number of people are using that already. And so those are, those are out and are being used. Well, Christina, we, uh, we kind of shifted gears there a little bit. You were making some connections to this uh, weather station that uh, Nathaniel just explained to us. So uh, if you can kind of pick up where, where we kind of left that and, and make the connections here between the um, eclipse and measurements and this uh, personal weather station. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what the the grape, as we call it, and the reason we call it the grape is because the uh, main PSWS is called the Tangerine. It's being developed by the Tucson Amateur Packet Radio Network Tapper crowd. Um, and they have a very active development list. And all of this is on, uh, I think it's hamsi.org slash PSWS. Um, we call the grape the grape, um, which was a uh, moniker that was coined by um, AC8YV uh, because it's a, uh, first of all, it's a tiny piece of electronics that people always name tiny pieces of electronics after tiny pieces of fruit. So you've got, you know, your raspberry Pi, your Kiwi SDR, your lime SDR, et cetera. And grape wasn't taken yet. Um, but the other thing that we like to say is that it does its best work in bunches. And I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the best way to do the sort of deployments of these is to have one at your house and then one at your friend's house that's, you know, down the block or five miles away. And um, there are various lessons that we've been incorporating into the development that we've learned through doing pilot experiments. Because uh, one of the nice things about putting a pilot experiment together um, for a short-term recording, what you call a, a campaign in um, is that it has sort of the same kinds of aspects as a ham radio contest. It's something that you do for a certain period of time um, and then it's over, you know, and uh, you can try different things and you can set it up to sort of encourage the, uh, the things that you want to see happen. So in the same way that, um, you know, you structure a contest, you know, field day, you get points for owning a fire extinguisher, for example, I'm pretty sure it's the only contest that does that. Uh, School Club Roundup is my favorite example, how the the way that the point structure is set up makes it so that you want to talk to schools. Um, But the uh, you can do very similar things where you can leverage this towards uh, data collection in science campaigns. 
And so when we do this for the eclipses, there have been sort of different kind of scientific themes or different data collection themes. I started doing this in, uh, this was for June of last year, and it was a very, um, you know, sort of let's put something together and see what happens kind of experiment um, because there was a an annular solar eclipse across China. And um, so I put together a web page and duplicated the same protocol that we did for the original festival of frequency measurement and said, okay, let's uh, use this same protocol, but we'll try tuning to BPM instead of WWV. And uh, interesting things sort of began to come out of the woodwork. For one thing, um, someone came in and translated the instructions into Dutch. So then I had a whole bunch of ham radio operators in the Netherlands who were, you know, collecting Doppler data all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, where you get these little pockets of, uh, of participation are always interesting and really impossible to predict because I was showing the map to a friend last night and she was like, why do you have so many people in Greece? And I think it was because, you know, somebody brought it to their club and, uh, and showed it around. But I wound up with a huge amount of European participation. We actually got, there were participants uh, on six continents for that event and also for the, uh, the one in December that followed it for the eclipse across South America. And um, so for the, the June 2020 event, um, one of the things that the European stations noticed was that just using FL Digi's frequency estimation mode, you would end up with uh, really noisy data because there was a station in Italy that I hadn't known about. So there were actually two different stations that were just off frequency from each other. And the algorithm that was looking for the carrier would bounce between them. So this was how we started with uh, audio recording. And the entire uh, community of people that were volunteering for this experiment, you know, we did one test round, figured out this was happening about a week before the actual event. And then uh, I asked them to record audio and everyone just, you know, pivoted and about half of the group did that. And so I had, I think, maybe 50 stations from that experiment. I know for uh, December, there were about 83 stations that recorded um, audio of various stations. For uh, June of this year, where there was a um, a partial eclipse that uh, went sort of, it had a very strange path of totality. You can see this in the maps online. It went over the Arctic, um, and I'm curious to see what people will figure out um, about the overlap between that and, you know, auroral partici- uh, precipitation in that region. Um, for that one, we had people try different, uh, you know, um, time standard stations according to their preference. And, you know, I suggested, well, you might want to try RWM, but really try whatever station you want. And so seeing, you know, what people chose to record, what people found at their various areas, uh, just kind of playing with it, you pick up these different insights about where stations are that you can use as beacons, what you can do with them. And then also, you know, how far apart should these stations be uh, to be able to sort of distribute them around? When you do this as a campaign, you're doing everything that you would do 
with uh, setting up a network, but you get to sort of see some of the end results in kind of preview mode. You skip over several of the really hard decisions that you would be making if you were trying to set up a scientific, you know, remote sensing network from scratch. Like you don't know where you would put the stations. Uh, so you just see what happens. You know, you don't know uh, what particular set of data you necessarily even want to collect. So you just try to get whatever you can. And uh, there were many interesting elements of looking at, you know, the participation maps all by themselves and sort of the the social aspect of it and the international uh, collaboration, which, of course, is one of the core principles of ham radio, um, the way in which the community steps up. And then also just looking at what happens in the plots, the different types of noise and things that you see. Now, when we move to doing this with the grape network, we will be able to uh, have a certain level of known good stations. We'll know, for instance, that if somebody's running a grape station, that they have the same signal chain as somebody else who's running a different grape station. Uh, and that this will be set up in such a way that probably that they will have, uh, you know, done it maybe in a cluster with some other people, as I've been talking about, and you'll be able to reference them off of each other. So the, uh, the real, you know, my favorite thing, I think, of all of the communications that I've had with volunteers was I got this wonderful email from um, one of the uh, radio operators in the Netherlands where he sent me this graph that he had made with, you know, two or three of his friends where they had lined their charts up. And he said, you know, I don't know what we're seeing here. I don't know if this is the ionosphere or if it's local noise but we're having a lot of fun. And that was really kind of the whole point of doing the pilot experiments was that it was a, a way for people to, uh, to come together and try this out and sort of get a better understanding of your own environment and tie it into what other people are doing. So really the eclipse is just an excuse to do that <laughs> in the same way that a contest is just an excuse to operate. Well, well it's, uh, some fascinating stuff, Christina and, uh, Thank you so much for for taking this one on, and Nathaniel for uh, the the overarching uh, scientific uh, tie-in to amateur radio. It's one that's uh, near and dear to my heart, being a, a, a science uh, educator, and uh, just, just really impressed with what you've been able to do. So, thank you so much for for coming on and telling us about it, and. Uh, Thanks for all the work and good luck on the eclipse next month. And uh, Nathaniel, remind everybody where they can uh, sign up and, and, and do this stuff. Sure. So for the eclipse specifically, you can go to hamside.org uh, slash festivals, or you can go to hamside.org. You click projects, and then you see eclipse and frequency measurement festivals, and you can pick the December 2021 eclipse measurement festival all the way at the bottom, there's a link for the Google group there. There's also a main Google group. You just go to hamside.org, click Get Involved, and all the information is right there. All right. Very good. Uh, Christina, any final comments? Uh, other than hamside.org slash festivals, none in particular. But I hope that, uh, <laughs> that we get some good participation this year. And I will say one thing, for because uh, this is a question I get a lot. 
folks often ask, uh, is it still worthwhile for me to collect data even if I'm far from the path of totality? And of course, for this particular experiment, everyone's far from the path of totality, really. Um, and uh, the answer is yes, because what we're looking for with uh, the grape network are uh, wave-like structures that propagate through the ionosphere. We're looking for traveling ionospheric disturbances, and those can go for hundreds of kilometers. They can travel a very great distance. So even if you know you're looking at things um, that are away from the sort of perturbing force, we may still be able to observe some quite interesting things together. Sounds great. Nathaniel, any, any final comments? Uh, we look forward to everyone participating, and um, it, it's been a real pleasure being on your show. All right. Well, look forward to uh, seeing you again soon, and uh, look forward to hearing about uh, how this next big project goes. So thanks for being here. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of giveaways here before we go. First of all, uh, Christian K0STH over at 100 Watts of the Wire is giving away $1,000 on his show. Uh, you can go over to 100wattsandawire.com and uh, read the rules there. But basically, you, you go on your and make a wish list, and, and then you get all the stuff if you win. So... Uh, make sure you check that out, 100wattsandawire.com. Um, also, here at Ham Talk Live, we have a giveaway for the month of November. Um, one of uh, my friends and and um, listeners of the show, uh, Tanner Jones, W9TWJ, um, is giving away two free remote license testing opportunities. Uh, so you can take your test by remote, uh, Zoom usually, um, and uh, we're going to give away one for a listener of Ham Talk Live that hasn't been licensed yet, so you're brand new to Ham and Radio. Uh, we want to give you a chance to win a free license test, and, and it's a remote one, so you can do it uh, from anywhere. And uh, then we're also going to give away one for someone who wants to upgrade. So if you're already a licensed amateur, there's a separate giveaway uh, for that one. So here's how you enter. Uh, you go to win, W-I-N, dot hamtalklive.com, and that will uh, give you all the details, and then you can click and, and fill out the form there. Uh, for a chance to win, we're going to uh, cut that off at on November 30th, so you have until the end of the month to sign up, and uh, we'll give these two remote uh, testing sessions. Um, Tanner's going to pay the fees for those, so we're going to give those away uh, to one random uh, entry from those forms. So, uh, again, it's win, W-I-N, dot hamtalklive.com to enter 
Well, that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guests, Christina Collins, KD8OXT, and Dr. Nathaniel Fursell, W2NAF, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in. And invite you back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. And if you'd like to see who's coming up on the show next, uh, you can also find that at hamtalklive.com. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Well, you came right back to my secure call. You 